Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're all ready. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talk and they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here come the show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. What's up, BSers? A little something different for y'all. Different vibe. Different feels. Had to change it up, man. It's been two years since we had the same intro. Shout out to our boy, MD's Finest, for coming through with the fire intro yet again. I think he sent that first that first one over to you and I. I was like, yeah, man. Ooh, man. Telling you. Ask and he delivers. Yes, he did. Shout he- out to my boy, Matt, man. Appreciate it, as always. What's up, everybody? It's been a little while. Took yeah. a week off. Scott I was, took a few weeks off. Yeah. <laughs> Scott was enjoying the finer things down in Florida. If you can't tell, for those of you that may be, uh, well, let's be real. Fred, you're the only one that's tan impaired, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my skin does not do well with we that big bright thing We literally spent like sun. 20 minutes trying to dial in my tan next to his white yep. body. No way to do that. No, it wasn't nope. happening. <laughs> Uh, so we got a lot to catch up on. A lot. Uh, it's been a roller coaster of a couple of weeks. You know, we uh, we had the loss to the Steelers, the bounce back win against the Colts, and then we get embarrassed again on national TV for the second time this season. Yeah, it was it was not pretty. Uh, this game did not go how any of us thought. But we're going to break down what we saw go wrong and what we saw, you know, in some cases go right in this game. So we're going to talk about that. And they got to bounce back quick, man. It's time to regroup those mighty, mighty Titans coming to town. Fuck you. (laughs) Just so you know, he did that because Uh, my boss is making me sing it tomorrow and the chant from We Are the Titans. How many times I heard that today? It was terrible. Like 20 separate times. (laughs) Uh, They got to regroup, man. Got to bounce back. Uh, Derrick Henry and Cruz coming to town. So it's going to be a tough task. Terps, the Maryland Terps, two and one, big win over Penn State two weeks ago, then had to cancel due to COVID this past week against Ohio State, which uh, would have been like the classic Fred Bowl, right? My two favorite colleges again. It's when Ryan and I first met. It was like destined to be a game for me to watch, sit down and enjoy a couple beers over. But what I heard was you had a heart on and then went flaccid. Essentially, essentially. <laughs> But uh, so they got they got some uh, some some good things rolling. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that continues. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we got a whole hodgepodge of things in the rundown. The Masters, uh, Phoenix Suns making some moves. The Marlins making some some historical big moves. historical moves uh, and a ton of things to cover in this week's rundown. But before we do too much, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work on an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. Or the Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD Crash a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering. It can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now, 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including gift cards to some of your favorite local restaurants. 
All right, Scott. It is time for some flock news. It is. As we talked about, Ravens get embarrassed on national TV again for the second time this season as they fall to the Patriots 23 to 17, fall to six and three now on the season. And the the sledding doesn't get any easier from here on out. Uh, They got two tough games. On the mend yeah. in Tennessee and Pittsburgh next, back-to-back. And yet another primetime game, by the way, in Pittsburgh game. Right. But starting out with this, this wasn't a game that I think any of us saw coming. I mean... This was just a bad game in so many facets. It, it really was. Bad weather, bad injuries, bad snaps, bad decisions, and bad, bad defense. defense. <laughs> I mean, it was it was bad all the way around. But can the I, one I was gonna say, can I sum it up for us? Yeah, this fault, th- this loss is not on Lamar. Yeah, for every- all of you fuckers that are sitting here saying that, <laughs> I've been I've been holding in all the cursing for like two weeks here. For all you fuckers that are sitting here saying it's Lamar's fault, shut the hell up and watch football. Maybe you'd learn something. Yeah, this one was definitely not on Lamar. And listen, Lamar hasn't played to the MVP expectation I think that we all had of him this year, obviously after winning the award last year, and we all had high hopes for him this year. He hasn't played up to that level, but there's a lot of reasons for that, right? That don't just fall on Lamar's shoulders. It's not just Lamar single-handedly. But in this game, I mean, Lamar was 24-34 for 249 yards passing in a freaking monsoon, mind you. With two two TDs. It was game. pouring its ass off. You remember that scene from like Forrest Gump? It was stinging rain, raining from the <laughs> side, raining up from the bottom. At like, one point, the rain was coming straight up. <laughs> I'm going to lean against you. You just lean right up against me, Forrest. That's how it felt. I mean, I had never seen rain so intense, especially like the end of the game in that fourth right. quarter, like towards the, the very end of that game. I mean, it was you could barely even see like I the mean, players. Who who? Let me ask this. Who decided it'd be a great choice for the Ravens to wear the white jerseys? The all white jerseys, not just the white jer- the white tops. Yeah. You wore the white pants in that game too. Like who th- who really thought this through? Uh, it's a good thing there weren't fans in the stands because there'd have been some. Kaylee saw some dogs during the NFL, <laughs> NFL uh, combine. You've seen some dogs uh, hanging out. In that Ravens game. got bigger problems than worrying about their wardrobes at this point, man. It's this was. Uh, this was a bad game. This was a bad game, and like we said, for, for many different reasons, I think the biggest dilemma right now with this team is the injuries first. These yeah, injuries, I mean, they just keep piling up and piling up. You already had Calais Campbell, who was out of the game. He had you know hurt his calf the week before, uh, so he wasn't in this game. Then early on in this game, you lose Brandon Williams – he goes down with an ankle injury. Now, Brandon Williams, as much as he doesn't show up in the stat sheet, as much as he, you know, you don't hear his name on Sundays a ton, I'm going to tell you now, the difference in the run game for our defense when Brandon Williams is in and when Brandon Williams isn't is massive. We've seen that. We saw it last year when he was out for a little bit. He was yeah. out for a game or two, or, or th- th- he was three games, if I remember correctly. Something along those something, lines. Something along those lines. And we saw the immediate impact that the other teams were able to find the holes easier. He just he is a force to be reckoned with. We've talked about this before. Just because a guy's name isn't called doesn't mean he's not playing an impact. Just because he's not making the tackles doesn't mean he's not forcing the, the runner to the outside where you have Judon making some tackles, where you have Ngakwe yesterday making or uh, Sunday making some tackles. Right. It's 
it plays a huge role in him going down and going down early in this game. We saw it right away. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. You're talking about usually about a 60 or 70 yard game difference on the ground when Brandon Williams isn't in there. That's massive. And without Williams and Calais Campbell, you've got a couple of rookies out there in Broderick Washington and Justin Matabuike. You had Jelly out there, Ellis, yeah. who was kind of getting pushed around. Now, granted, again, part of this falls on the conditions. It's Foxborough to to our point, you know, Sam Sam Jackson out there, Steve, our buddy Steve, uh, chiming in that, you know, a lot of teams probably would have lost in Foxborough in those conditions, you know. New England, they're pretty accustomed to playing in those environments. But I will say this, Cam Newton's not. Cam Newton is new to New England. Cam Newton is used to the Carolinas, right? Right. And let's, and, let's not forget, they, they didn't, that offense didn't blow us out either. Right. Right. This wasn't a blowout game. Uh, when, when I look at this game, and I think Deshaun says it really well, it was bad, but it was so winnable. It was winnable, but the point was, this should have never been a close game. I mean, when you looked at the matchup going into this game, I don't think anybody predicted that this would be a close game. Oh, we were heavily favored. We were all heavily favored, and I think in all of our predictions, we were heavily, you know, going towards the Ravens in this yeah. game. So not only was it not just a close game, but we ended up coming off on the losing side of things. Uh, and a lot of that came down to inability to stop the run. Yeah. You know, Damian Harris was, was a force against us, especially through the middle there again, without the two big guys in the middle. Uh, so again, sticking on this, this injury train, right? We went into this season with high expectations for our secondary, right? And everybody talked about how great the secondary is and how great they are. And they are, but when they're healthy when they're healthy. And that's the problem. We've just, it's it, one after the other. Jimmy just Smith doesn't falling. start this game yet again. We see the injury him, you know, between the injuries previously, the injuries and the, the, uh, the suspensions, right? Right. We've seen the issues with him. He goes down. He's not there. Maybe he comes back this week. We'll see. But that was a huge loss that was felt in that secondary. Right. And then you bring up Terrell Bonds, who would be getting some playing time here and there. He steps into a bigger role. He goes down. Yeah. You sign a guy in the uh, in the during the the transition from week to week from the Colts to uh, to the Patriots, Patriots yeah. and you bring in uh, Williams. The guy from uh, from Green Bay. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Trenton Williams. Trenton Williams, right? Uh, no, what is his name? Trayvon Williams. Trayvon Williams. Okay. All right. Um, so they bring him in, and he's got to get acclimated to the defense, and he's expected to play big minutes right away. This secondary is now very vulnerable. They have what three healthy cornerbacks at this point? Yeah. Well, what's, including a guy who's brand new. Right. Well, and the, the other part that was scary about all this, right? You and I saw it. We immediately started texting each other about it. Right. Later in the game, it was about late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, there was a play in the end zone. It was the play in the end zone where they, they uh, wound up putting them ahead. And you saw Marlon Humphrey come up off the play, grabbing at his shoulder right. it, it, immediately. And they showed the replay. He did get – it was a pick. You know, they, they, set up, they set up a pick, and Marlon just went right into it. The guy clipped his shoulder. But Marlon immediately grabbed. Right. I – we get to see it, but – I wonder how much he will practice this week, how heavy he's going to be practicing yeah. this week. If he, you know, I don't think he dislocated it, but it's probably sore. I mean, he, he, the way he wasn't, he wasn't moving his arm. His arm was kind of dangling yeah, he there like as, he, as, he, as he went off the field. Now, granted, it could have just been like a stinger, you know, where he, he pinched a nerve or whatever. He got off on the sideline. They kind of worked it out and he was fine because he did come back in the right. game. 
but still, it makes you it makes you wonder. That's your you know hundred million dollar cornerback when you're already depleted at that position. By the way, all that that we just talked about was all the defense, right? Exactly. And then the big news in this game, you end up losing your number two tight end, your number one blocking tight end yeah. in Nick Boyle to a serious knee injury. He's now done for the year. Have we heard exactly what the what the story is on that? I don't know what the actual. I mean, I, what I, the injury is? I don't know what the specific injury is. I just they said that he's done for he the done year, for and year. it was a significant knee injury. Uh, it looked bad. I mean, it, it immediately as soon as it happened, I think it might have been Lawrence Guy who was, was out calling, on the field yeah, was, was calling for the sideline to yeah. come out. Uh, it, it it was rough. I first at first glance, I just thought it was a bad hyperextension, right? Because, I mean, you see that a lot. The leg went directly back. There's no doubt about that. But then when you see the slow-mo and you see the angle, I mean, he was like a freaking flamingo. Yeah. That knee was back at all the first, way. At first, when it first happened, at full speed, I thought it snapped. I didn't see it bend at his knee. I thought the, the lower half of his leg had snapped. That's what I thought. So I uh. thought it was even going to be worse. Uh, but that's a big loss. I mean, the Ravens right now are down to one tight end prior to today. Today, they did end up signing Luke Wilson, which we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit. But this is on a team that, look, look let's, let's look at the offseason, right? We lost Hayden Hurst, and yep. we, we never actually replaced him. No, we never did. And so now you lose Nick Boyle, who is, in our eyes, the, our best blocking tight end and one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Yeah, that's why he was paid the way he was. And he's going down on a team that last year... Blew the league away, which, in my opinion, is what helped the run game be what it was last year with a three tight end set. Yeah, I think they threw for something like 12, 12 or 12 to 16 touchdowns, something along those lines out of three tight end formations last year. Well, Uh, now now we're down to one. What are you going to do? Well, it starts with with bringing in a veteran. They had to bring in somebody. They had Luke Wilson kind of in the wings. They had him try out a couple of days ago. So they bring him in. They sign him to the practice squad today. So that's step one. There are two guys on the practice squad that they have as tight ends, but I don't think anybody has real expectations for them as of right now, but they're at a position where they're bodies, yeah. you know, and that's what the Ravens need. How fast can Luke Wilson, who has never been a number one tight end option in his career, he's, I think he's like 30 years old at this point, might be 31. He's played the majority of his career out in Seattle. Uh, I mean, he's been that kind of tight end too. He's he's filled in uh, when Disley went down last year. He filled in a little bit, did okay for them. He's not a, a severe threat in the passing game by any means. Uh, you know, I don't have high expectations for him, but at this point, he's a veteran tight end who should be able to learn the system kind of quickly. Yeah, uh, and fill in the gap. Well, for and now. Joe Joe says Pat Ricard, the new tight end, and I tell you what, they they were trying to use him a lot more yesterday. Uh, or Sunday, and so I I did kind of see that he was you know he was more so in the fullback set a lot more than we've seen him in recent weeks. Right. Um. So it, it's does he move to tight end? I don't know. I, I saw a lot of things going back and forth. I was curious to get your take on this. You know, there's there's arguments of move Boykin to tight end, mm-hmm. or we know Des is still technically on the practice squad. Right. Right. We can technically use him before for I think it's one more game before we have to offer him a contract to bring to for him to play right. a full out contract veteran with its veteran minimum so the other thought is okay you do you make him that guy uh both of those are i guess intriguing backup plans just because 
Miles Boykin obviously has the size. He would need to put on a little bit of weight, I guess, to be an ideal tight end. Um, at this point, he hasn't worked out great as a wide receiver, but the one thing that he does do well is he blocks. Now, granted, he's going up against corners when he's out there as a wide receiver. Right. He's, he's going, be going up against, up against linebackers. outside linebackers and DNs uh, as a tight end, so it's a little bit different. Uh, so they could go that route. Uh, Des Bryant, he's got the size, you know, he's got the strength. I mean, he's not real tall. Uh, I think he might be maybe six foot or six foot one, which is relatively small for a tight end. Right. Uh, I think Miles Boykin, if you're going to ask for either one of those, is the better option. And I still think that Des Bryant can bring some excitement at the wide receiver position. And I think he needs to play outside. Yeah. And, and, and that, personally, I think they need to, to move Hollywood inside. I know, We'll talk about that later. I know Willie Sneed's doing great in the inside right now because he's basically their only option at this point yeah. inside. But I think anybody in that inside role who's playing between the hashes is going to do well in this offense the way it's schemed up right now. And that's the key word. The way that this offense is schemed, it's it's designed to do well with that slot receiver. I think it's interesting to say that, right? Because who's been doing well in recent weeks? The guys on the inside. So you got Sneed did right. well in this game. And then Nick Boyle, who's been doing well. How many times have we seen Nick Boyle make you know make make some catches here recently? He has caught more balls this year than I think he did all last year. Right. I'm not one of those guys to say that Lamar can't throw to the outside, can't throw to the numbers or beyond the numbers or anything like that. I'm not that kind of guy. I just think that this offense, the way it's schemed up, it's not to throw to the outside of the numbers. It's to throw over the middle of the field. It's to keep everything inside. Uh, and I just think if we're going to stay with the scheme and Greg Roman isn't going anywhere and there's not going to be any big changes – I think Hollywood would work better in the slot in this offense because we're just not getting anything out of him right now on the outside. We're going to talk about him later. Yeah. But you I get, do – go ahead. I was just, just going to say, uh, Deshaun says, put Boykin and Dez on the outside and Snead and Hollywood in the middle. I understand where you're going with that, and I think that's kind of what Fred was saying. Yeah. But the other thing that you got to play into, the, into this whole role is where and how and when are you going to get Devin Duvernay in there? Because Devin Duvernay – when he's been getting the catches, has been coming up with some good yardage, good yards after the catch, getting open at times when he's in there. But I've not seen them utilize them utilize him in any scheming as much as I would like to see. Yeah. So this kind of leads me to my next point as far as dealing with this tight end situation. Right. You've got Mark Andrews is the number one tight end. That's it. Luke Wilson. He might be ready. Next week, I can't imagine he'll be ready this week. He might get some snaps this week just because he has to. He has to go through some of the COVID testing, too. He's still got to go through that, right? So I don't even know. He might not even be eligible for this week since they announced it today. I'm not 100% on that, right? So I think what they really should do, in my opinion, in this situation that they're in right now, is I feel like they should spread spread them out a little bit. Spread the wide receivers out. And I think having that one-on-one, with Mark with Mark Andrews as the you know as a single tight end, I think will bode well for him. You can get more wide receivers on the field. Get Devin Duvernay as to your point. Get Hollywood working out of the slot. You know, with the rotation of, yeah. of Willie Sneed in there as well, and and you can really do things. And that's what Lamar did well in college. Lamar didn't run this style of offense. Didn't run this scheme of an offense. In college, yeah. he ran more of a spread offense and did really, really well with it in college. I can I can see that happening, but is that even in Greg Roman's wheelhouse? Is that even in his playbook? Like, would that even be an adjustment that he would make? 
I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that that's his style. I don't think that I think personally, I think Greg Roman is a run game coordinator. I think he's a run game coordinator that is in an offensive coordinator position, right? He's not good with developing route route combinations right. and and passing schemes. I just don't think that he has the ability or the I guess the depth in his playbook to create more of a spread offense. So there was uh, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. Um it was it was on one of the NFL networks. I forget which one it was, but they were talking about this run game, right? And so one of the things that they were talking about was this this scheming that we're seeing out of Greg Roman is eerily similar to what Greg Roman did with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, right. And Colin Kaepernick, everybody said you know it started to go off. Well, now we're seeing the same coordinator with another QB with the same skill set that's in some arguments, some people are saying, and I think I agree better. And yet we're seeing the same exact failures. Right now. I a hundred percent shout out to our boy lunch break. Uh, hot take. Hey, congratulations on a thousand followers on, uh, on YouTube, man. Yeah, man. If you're not following them and you're watching the show, go follow those guys on YouTube. Good. Some context. Good he said that, uh, they've been calling Giro a run game coordinator for a minute. And it's, it's true. A great minds, right? I, yeah. I, I do. I think that to your point with Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, he had that great year in 2012 where they went to the Super Bowl against us and lost. Yeah. Right. And then after that, it was never the same. Once the you know once teams kind of caught up to the scheme and started playing a little bit smarter, and Greg Roman, I'm not saying he can't make adjustments because he has. He's made adjustments in the run game. I just haven't seen the adjustments in the passing game yet. First of all, like I said, it was a freaking monsoon. Why was Lamar throwing the ball 35 times in a fucking monsoon? Yeah. Never in this game did I ever feel like the game was so far out of reach that we needed to start chucking the ball down the field in a monsoon. But he had Lamar throw the ball 35 times in a monsoon. Right. And the one thing that is being taken away from this game is Gus Edwards actually had a damn good game. Right. For what he was given. 42 yards on seven carries. He was averaging six yards on average. His longest was 11. JK, 2.6, but he only got five. Mark Ingram, this is one thing I know my blood was boiling when they started him. Because I'm sitting there going, this is a guy coming off injury. You're putting him in right away. Yep. And what was we knew was going to be a wet and heavy game. Now, maybe you get him his snaps in ahead of time before the rain starts, before he slips and hurts the ankle again. Okay, maybe. But he got five snaps, five yards total. I agree with you. I agree with your point, but I don't think Mark Ingram had any impact on whether we won or lost this game. I agree that he should have never started. No, and that's, that's to me, that is an impact because if Gus Edwards is in there, maybe it's the same. Maybe it is because of the play calling. But we don't know if we continue to trump or to, to trot Mark Ingram out there when Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins are consistently putting up better numbers. And we're not giving him the snap count. You got to run it. You are a run defensive coordinator trying to play in the passing sandbox. Yep. 
and completely ignoring what you're already good at. To your point, Gus Edwards, seven carries for 42 yards, a 6.0 average. Why are you not riding the hot hand? Why are you evenly distributing the ball? Seven carries, five carries, five carries. Why do you have to have such a balance? I'm, I think it's great that we have the riches that we do at the running back position, but why aren't you carrying the hot hand? There's been a couple games recently where, to your point, where Dobbins looked great. Why are you not carrying, yeah. you know, carrying it towards him or catering it towards him? In this game, Gus Edwards had the hot hand. Why are you not catering it towards him? Chuck, Gus needs to be the lead guy at this point. Agreed. I agree. And Deshaun, the tempo is different when Ingram plays. That's all the things that we're saying, guys. And yeah. we 100% agree with you over this. Yeah. It's something that, that comes into play. Dave, a big play chiming in, our, our resident Browns fan over there. Uh, he says, that's what it's like when we gave Carlos Hyde touches over Chubb. That'll get a coach uh. fired. That's when you pick up a head coach at the lo local like auto shop, <laughs> Freddie Kitchens. That's what happens there. Uh, shout out to Dave, man. That's Appreciate giving them too much credit. I think they picked him up at the bar. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but so another thing, talking about change, right? Another thing that needs to happen with this team is there needs to be a shakeup on the offensive line. Oh, yeah. Big time. And it starts with Matt Skura. Look, Matt is a friend of the show. Yeah. He has been on the show before. We Great definitely guy. want to have him on again. And and to all I'm going to put a disclaimer out here before we go any go further. Go for it. I already to did all you motherfuckers. Wow. I'm going hard here. Yeah. All your yeah. motherfuckers that sit sit here and we're going off on his family, let me find out any one of you motherfuckers that did that shit. That's crossing a fucking line. And at that point, all this political shit of stuff being turned off because somebody you know, is going one political way, but not another. And motherfuckers are, are threatening a man's family that they had nothing to do with this game. Yeah. It's sick, man. It's just people. Screw would you guys go home, go screw yourself. I don't care what you do, but stay away from a guy's family. If you want to, and kudos to Matt Curra, Mascara. You know what? They lost, but for that after fact, he gets a game ball from me. Yeah, the post that he put out. The yeah. post that he put out on Instagram. He took, he took ownership. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, he put a post out on Twitter and a post out on, uh, I'm sorry, post out on Instagram. He took ownership for his play, but then defended his family, rightfully so, with fans you know, sending threats and things like that to his wife and all this shit. Yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And shout out to our our, our buddy on uh, Twitter, Matt Wise. Oh, Matt Wise, Wise. yeah. That's great. So if, you if you haven't seen this, Matt, Matt Wise uh, retweeted one of Matt Skura's tweets and copied in Matt, Matt Skura's uh, foundation. And it went from like $1,200. I think in two days it's up to like $10,000 for Ravens flock to kind of show what Ravens flock is really about. That it's just not these couple of bad apples that represents an entire fan base. Uh, these idiots, they exist in every fan base, right? It's just, yeah, I, there's no room for it. Now with all that said, Matt Skura played like shit in this game. And he has played like shit for really a, a lot of this year. And it, and it comes down to snapping the ball. It started two weeks ago. And mm, I'll debate that. It started, it it started before. That. It got worse. It got it worse, got worse two, weeks two weeks ago. And they said, well, he has a cut in his finger. And I thought, okay, you know, when you're snapping the ball, a cut on your finger, it can affect oh, it. it definitely I can does. understand that. So I kind of like, I didn't really take it. That seriously, I saw a great comparison this this week of you know talking about pitchers in baseball, right? Right, when you get a pitcher in baseball, it gets that blister, keeps bleeding, keeps exactly. bleeding, keeps bleeding. It becomes a problem with grip, right? So it's a, it's a great it's a great thought, and that's why it, it passes our mind by. We didn't, we don't think anything of it, right? So 
I didn't play t- put too much into it. And then he had like one or two bad snaps in this game, and I thought, all right, between the combination of the the cut and the monsoon that they're playing in, you know, maybe that's why he's. But it just continued. Yeah. It continued. And again, Greg Roman stayed in this pistol formation because that's what this offense is predicated around they is even, pistol formation. They even outlined in the game how many times he's under pistol and not even under center. It's so stupid to me. It's in the middle of a rainstorm like that when you've got a center who's having problems with snapping the ball. Why are you not putting Lamar putting under, under center? center? Yeah. Why are you not doing that? They should be in the I formation or, almost all game. hey, how about this? Take Skura out. Put Makari in, who did great at center last year. So I'm going to go a step further. I wouldn't take Skur out. Or shift him. I shift him. I moved him to guard. And here's why. One of the things, if you remember, back in like week three, I said that I thought Skur was kind of, he was jumping the gun a little bit. We saw some early uh, pre-snap penalties from him. Yeah. And he was, it was like he was trying to get off to make up for coming back from the injury, for timing, to, be, to make sure that he could get it. I think that's playing a role in everything that we're seeing. He's not getting a good grip on the ball. He's just tossing it back, not focusing, focusing on his mechanics of getting it back. Right. I think there's, there's all these things playing a role. But I think in a game like that, it was still a close game in the third quarter. Yeah. At that point, when he made that first bad snap in the third quarter, I think at that point, it should have been a shift. You put Makari or Bozeman under center, one of the two. You shift everybody down, putting hit, putting uh, Skurry at guard. He still can block at times. But if you can put put him in a p- better position where he's not having to think, just let these guys go, make the adjustment. I, I'm not saying that there would have been a different outcome into this game, but I do think we would have, ha- we would have seen a different impact in this game. I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you. And in this game, you talk about bad decision of the game, bad play of the game, however you want to look at this. (laughs) That wildcat formation that they ran on fourth and one, when you've got a a center that's had problems snapping the ball, mind you, it's fourth and one. You're down 10 points in the pouring rain. And you put the best running QB in the league out to the left. Right. You snap the ball to a running back who hasn't played in three weeks. In the rain. In the rain. With gloves on. With a center who has snap problems. It was doomed from the beginning. And to your point, you've got Lamar freaking Jackson, who's the most like lethal threat with his feet in the league. Looking like Joe Flacco standing out there. Standing out there like Flacco, like a damn statue. You know what was crazy, though? I saw the, the, the replay of that and the zoomed out shot on like film study. Yeah. He's standing there. Think back to when everybody gave Joe Flacco a bunch of shit (laughs) for for standing there. Yeah. Now I'm going, wait a second. This is being designed this way. Right. If that's me, Lamar is gone. Utilize his fucking speed. He didn't have any time to go anywhere. The ball was snapped (laughs) and the ball was on the ground. But he wasn't even going on that. He literally was standing there anyway. I agree. But it just it was the bonehead decision of the game bonehead call uh it was just it was poor but so so what do we do right what do we do to fix this offensive line there there needs to be a shakeup uh there's been a lot of talk about either benching Matt Skura or to your so, point moving Skura to guard somebody said it in the chat and I did look it up and here I'm going to tell you guys take this with a grain of salt because it's coming from Jason freaking Lockenfora <laughs> first off 
This is from Inside Access 105.7, which is Jason LaCafora's show. Very likely the at Ravens move forward with Bradley Bozeman at center, given the recent issues with snapping the ball. And that was going to be my suggestion. It was actually going to be my suggestion. Moving Bozeman from left guard to center, who played center in college. He played center at Alabama in the SEC, played against top-level you know, con- or talent. And I think a lot of people in the organization thought that eventually Bozeman would be their starting center. It just never happened because I think Matt Skura played at a level that they didn't expect him to at the position, and he did well for a while. But listen, whether it's mental for Matt Skura or what, you can't have those kind of mistakes in a game. I don't know how many times Lamar saved his ass with one-handed catches, fingertip catches, shit down on the ground that he was pulling up over the past couple of weeks. There's been a lot of plays that we're not even talking about that Lamar saved face for Matt Skirt, Yeah. right? So this problem could be a lot worse if it wasn't for Lamar. There needs to be a change. So, so in my opinion, yes, I think Bozeman is the start at center. And then maybe you start talking about at left guard, you've got Phillips, the rookie. If he comes back, he's healthy. You do have, you know, Matt Scurry, you shift him over. You got Makari. Any one of those three, I think, can play that left guard position, depending yeah. upon who's healthy. I think at right guard, you got to go with Ben Powers. He played a little bit in this game. Yeah. I've liked every time I've seen him on the field. There hasn't been any glaring things about him that jumps out to me. I don't understand why he hasn't been more involved on this offensive line. The only thing I can throw out there is we haven't seen him out there for a sustained amount of time. No, that's true. So that'll be the test, right? And that that's... For some reason or another, they have decided up till this point, until it was absolutely necessary, to not go that route. Right. And so for whatever reason, it's there. I think you're spot on with with him being there. I haven't seen anything that makes me you know, wary or anything like that. And then I think where you're going with this, you put in Fluker at right tackle. Between Fluker and Makari. If Makari's okay. not playing one of the guard positions, he filled in at the right tackle position a little bit this past week and, and, looked, and looked fine out there. Uh, so I don't know. I, there just needs to be a shakeup on this offensive line. I think the one piece that you're not moving is Orlando Brown at left tackle right now, oh, no. just because he's done well there in the, you know, the couple weeks that he's filled in. Uh, and he's the one non question mark yeah. on this. Offensive and we got, line. uh, we, so CB chimes in and says, Ben powers has been solid, but it's such a small sample you're right. size. It and is a exactly small sample size. With. And that's what I'm saying. I, I don't, we do, none of us know what to expect in a full game, and I'm assuming these coaches know a hell of a lot more than we do as fans, yeah. but the small sample size that we've seen in the couple games that we've seen, I haven't seen anything glaring. And Justin brings up what I was kind of saying. Like, he likes Matt moving to guard because he's a scrappy dude. I agree. He, he is. He's he had, he had snaps in college at Duke. He was mainly the center, but he did have snaps. At, I think it was left guard, so right. it would be a fine fill-in for him and no problem. I think he's in when he first came up, they had him taking snaps at left guard. Right. So I think it makes sense. He can do it. He can. He can make it happen. And if you have to, if you have to ro- do a rotation, like you said, of him, Phillips, Macari, and Macari when he's not playing there, he's helping out with rotation with Fluker. I think you can you can develop a rotation between these guys. My one concern is the concern I've been blasting all year: depth for this O line. Yeah. If one more of these guys goes down, we're screwed. I feel like we're like that at every position right now. We're we're so thin at every position right now. We were built around depth at key positions, and we are just so decimated with injuries right now. 
two of our biggest uh, our biggest positions of depth that we thought going into this year, cornerback and defensive line have yeah. been hit with a a, ma- a massive amount of injury injuries over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Speaking of what happened, <laughs> I guess the other topic that's hot out there on social media right now. I thought you were going to go with what happened was <laughs> Hollywood Brown. Where is he? Where did he go? He's pissed. Yeah, he doesn't look happy. I mean, every time you see him walking off the field, he's shaking his head. Oh, it was he was he was front and center with Lamar right in front of him this week. Yeah, I don't know if that was I don't think that was frustration with Lamar per se. I think that was more both of them having frustrations with maybe the play calls at that time. I saw what you're talking about on he camera. He was chirping. Too. They were both <laughs> chirping. And it was hard to tell if they were chirping at each other. I think they were both just frustrated with the situation. See, NFL, and again, the play calls. NFL needs to have that prime piece where we yeah. can get mic'd up. We can hear what the hell's happening. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want us to hear that shit. I can no, tell you yeah, that right don't. now. But no, I mean, listen, this was a guy that I think both both you and I had really high hopes for this year. Especially you know, after how he looked last year. Right. We both predicted him having probably over 1,100 yards this season and receiving. That ain't going to happen at the pace he's on right now. And again, like you said, last year, I mean, he, he was playing it, we said, what, 80% last year because he had the screws in his right. feet. He had two touchdowns in his opening game as a rookie with screws in his feet. He had two touchdowns against the Rams in his first primetime game, right? And, and him and Lamar just looked like they were building a chemistry. Yeah. They put in all this work in the offseason together, one-on-one. Yeah. All that time down in Florida, even which through the whole was COVID, developing chemistry. Which was developing chemistry, right? We watched on social media as he went through this body transformation, you know, put on the extra 20 pounds of muscle, right, while gaining the speed back, you know, as far as getting his health yeah. back with his feet, right? So I think we all were primed to think that based on what he did last year, that growth from year one to year two was going to be exponential, but it hasn't happened yet, and it hasn't happened for a multitude of reasons that aren't all Hollywood's fault. But what I'm seeing on the field right now is I'm seeing a guy who isn't giving 100% effort. I'm seeing a guy who's constantly frustrated, and I'm seeing a guy who Lamar isn't really looking his way a whole lot, and then he's verbalizing those frustrations on social media through the tweets that we saw that now he's deleted and moved away from yeah. social media. <laughs> a lot of shit show going on so, with Hollywood. All right, so I, I do not know the answer by any means, and I'm still unsure myself, but I'm going to ask you a question. Is he not giving 100% or did he put on so much weight that he actually did lose the speed? Because I tell you what, I said it, I, I texted you when I saw it in that game. It happened twice. You said, oh, the first guy, the first time it happened, the guy was pushing him out of bounds. You're talking about when he had uh, Jason or J.C. Jackson on the outside and J.C. Jackson was step for step. Jackson was using his body and kind of boxing him out against the sideline because if Hollywood goes yes. out of bounds there, he can't come back in bounds and be the first one to catch the ball. So Hollywood's ground to Unless work he's with. reestablished himself. If he, reestablish, if he immediately reestablishes himself and turns on the afterburners that he supposedly has and beats Jackson, yes, he can touch the ball as right. long as he as if he's the one that he can't. He can't, on his own, run out of bounds and be the first to catch the ball. But if he's pushed out of bounds and reestablishes himself, he can be the first to catch the ball. So to me, that argument's a little null and void. But it happened for the second time in this game yeah, where he couldn't beat Jackson. And it wound up leading to a pick 
because Lamar's trying to force a play, and that's a different story. But I have yet to see more than on a spotty occasion Hollywood beat his man this year. Yeah, no, we haven't seen the explosive speed I think that we all expected. Which is where I'm I'm agreeing with you. I don't know. Is it he's not giving 100% this year because he's getting more and more frustrated? Or is he not getting the looks because he's not beating his man? I think it's partly that. Uh, I think it's partly Lamar on that interception that he threw forced that ball. That was a bad decision. On oh Lamar. no, no doubt. And and Sam, I'm not Steve. I'm not saying he's a type of receiver to go for a 50-50 ball. He, you're right. He is no deep handback <laughs> after Julio Jones. But to that point, that's exactly what I said on Twitter. You can't throw those kind of 50-50 balls to Hollywood. That's a 10-90 ball for Hollywood. Oh, it is. And, and you know, I know Steve Smith was a gritty-ass wide receiver, and he was 5'9", and he'd go up and at least break those passes up, that kind of thing. He would at least make the effort. Yeah. Uh, he became he, a defender. If, if he didn't yeah. make the catch, right? And we don't see that from Hollywood. Steve Smith is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's in a class of his own. Yeah. We don't see that traditionally out of wide receivers this size. You don't make that pass. That was a bad decision by Lamar. But I think Lamar was in a position where he felt like he needed to get Hollywood involved. He needed to make a play and he forced the ball in and it was it was a bad decision it got picked. And there's some people oh well Lamar underthrow that ball. That's not an it's, I'm not going to go with that's an underthrow. That's a I'm going to throw it where you should be. You and, should be able to go up and make and a play, Jace, but again at his size. Right, but JC Jackson also held the inside. He kept yeah. he kept him on the outside, which is if you're going to keep a guy on the outside, that's fine. That's actually technically to the receiver's advantage. But if you're if you are eight times out of ten, not beating your receiver, you are not going to get that look for the long ball. I've got to try to force it. He's going, well, you're the closest guy that I can maybe get it to here. Yeah. Yes. Is it Lamar's fault? Yes, but I'm not going to give Lamar 100% of the game because I'm or 100% of the blame because I'm not seeing Hollywood beat his man like he did last year. I, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. The thing you got to take, too, into consideration, this is J.C. Jackson. He a terp. He was also... <laughs> a very good corner. He's developed yes. to be a very good corner in the league. Pro Football Focus has him rated as like a top 10 or top 15 cornerback in the league right now. He's doing well, right? So, again, I just think we had very high expectations. I don't think they're utilizing Hollywood the right way. They're not scheming him up the right way. I Again, I think he's better suited for the slot. I think you need to get him out in space where he Let can, him find those over-the-middles yes. when, when the safety's biting back, linebacker bites up on the run. Let yeah. him catch the ball in space and make plays with his feet. Let him use his athleticism. If you just want to use him to run nine routes all day long down the sideline, cool, you can do that. You did that with Torrey Smith for years, and I guess it worked with him, right? Yeah, you but Torrey Smith that. was also a bigger guy that could, could go up for the contested ball. Right, and Torrey Smith didn't have quite the athleticism and the shiftiness and the, and the quick twitch quickness that Hollywood has. But we're just not seeing that in this offense and in this scheme. Uh, so, I don't know. It's disappointing. It's disappointing it on all accounts. It's disappointing on Hollywood's side. It's disappointing on Greg Roman's side, again, for not scheming him upright. Uh, and it's disappointing from, for, for Lamar because they look to have such good chemistry. And I'm a guy that I start reading into shit. And I know I probably shouldn't read into this kind of stuff, and I shouldn't look at this stuff. But, you know, the, Lamar and Hollywood – you constantly saw them walking into the stadium together. You constantly saw them on, riding the cart together. Yeah, you get you see them after games on Instagram or after practices on Instagram, posting to their lives, them dancing and singing to shit on the in the car ride right. home. 
You haven't seen that in no. weeks now, no. right? So I don't know if there's something internally going on with maybe those two. I don't know. I, I hate to speculate that kind of stuff. I just see what I see. You right. know, and it you're, concerns you're me. making the deduction based on, you know, reasonable deduction based on what you're seeing. So I, I can't blame you. You know, I, I know we talked about the bad defense in this game. Let's just break down real quick the, the, the run game. That's probably the biggest thing. We talked about the injuries. We talked about the, you know, some of the issues. Damian Harris gashed us up the middle. 22 carries for 121 yards. 79 before first contact. Meaning yeah. he's finding the holes and not even being touched. And that goes to show what I was talking about earlier. You know, you, you have Calais Campbell go down with the injury last week. He wasn't there. You have Brandon Williams go down early in this game, which I told you historically has been like a 60 or 70 yards per game on the ground difference when you don't have Brandon Williams in there. You got a couple of rookies and Justin Matabuke, who's looked good when he's been out yeah. there. Uh, Broderick Washington, who looks decent when he's been out there, but you got them out there filling in uh, for those two guys. Uh, Ellis was getting pushed around a little bit in this game. He played decent. I mean, he played decent on the defensive line, but they were gashing us right yeah. down the heart of this defense. So you got those guys. Linebackers in Don't this game. Don't even get me started on the linebackers. So again, Jesus this goes down Christ. to just the rookies in this game. Matabuke and Washington on the defensive line. Patrick Queen and, and Malik Harrison both you know, look terrible. I, I said game. it during the game. I was seeing during the game, not even looking, going back and looking at the game film. During the game, these guys were biting way too early on the on the the hole that they saw or where they were anticipating the run and it was opening up an entire hole on the other side. Yeah. And that's you can't do that as a linebacker. You can you can sit back and watch where the guy makes the move, then go close on the hole. Yeah. If he gets a yard like that's great. But you can't be biting on a hole that he just ships and goes the other way and winds up getting six, eight, ten yards before he's even touched. And even when the backers did pick the right hole, they were getting trucked. They were getting dragged. Oh, yeah. I mean, Harris was just lowering his shoulder and driving right through guys. I mean, there was one, there was one run in particular that I saw him run right into the belly of Queen and push Queen back about six, seven yards yeah. before he eventually went down. How bad in this game were we missing LJ Fort? Oh man, what a signing he was last year! Like we all talk about how much of a of a find that was last year and what it did for us last year. You're seeing you're seeing it now with what you have him see again the impact of not having LJ Ford out there. And this was honestly this was the first game that I thought Patrick Queen looked really bad in. Not only did he look bad against the run, he looked lost in coverage. I mean, he dropped coverage and really didn't take uh, Rex Burkhead serious as a receiver out there and gave up that touchdown with the half ass you know coverage. Yeah. It, it was just. It was a bad look for those guys. Now, granted, again, they're rookies. They're He's learning. A it was, even, even Harbaugh said that that one was it was queen. It was a rookie mistake. He needs to learn from it. He hesitated. If he doesn't hesitate, maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe right. it still does. But he hesitated. You, we all saw the hesitation in real time. And then we saw even more in the slow-mo when they decided to play it like three times in slow-mo on his hesitation. Right. So huge, huge piece there. That's why I asked you. Because I think LJ Fort... We keep using the term dumpster dive, but this guy was a guy that was sitting on the couch when we got him and look at what happens when he's not there. Right now. There's a lot of other factors. I get that. I don't know that this game. I think this game is tighter with LJ Fort in there because of the experience. We don't. Yeah. yeah if we have LJ Fort 
And we have Brandon Williams, both of those in those game in this game, and and they're playing the entire game. I'll take Brandon Williams or Calais. The Patriots, Campbell. the Patriots don't run down the middle like they did. No. It doesn't happen. The whole uh, the holes aren't as big. They close quicker, gives the, the linebacker more time. Yeah, agreed. 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 And like I said earlier, I mean, again, just talk continuing about the defense. They're down to what three healthy cornerbacks at, at this point, and that's including the new guy in, in Traymond yeah. Williams, right? Hopefully, they get Jimmy back this week. Hopefully, he can come back because Jimmy's been playing lights out. I think he's been, if not our best corner, but he's been a top two corner. He's been he's played better than Marcus Peters this year for sure. Agreed, in my opinion. Uh, and, and, you know, you have him back. You put Traymond Williams, who's a veteran, who's played a, a lot of good years out in Green Bay. You put him in the slot, right? Now you've got three good cornerbacks that you can rotate between Peters and Humphrey Now I'm okay if you blitz Jimmy. some of these guys. Right. I'm all right if you could get him back healthy, but we are super, super thin. I think uh, Anthony Averett is on the mend. He might be back in like two, maybe three weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, so we might see him late for a playoff push, but... I'm concerned. I'm concerned with all the injuries. I'm concerned with how this defense looked in this game. Man, just never thought that we'd be saying that about this defense. This defense was doing so good for so long in the beginning of the year. Speaking of concerns, yeah, I've got one for this coming week. It's this guy right here. Derrick Henry gashed us last year. I'd say so. Now we... Beginning of the year, I'd be like, all right, we're, we're going to be good. We're going to be good against Titans. I was. I'm questioning next week. Yeah. It, it, again, it's going to come down to health. I mean, it's, it's, it, a, it's a running theme here. Right, it it does. Right and staying with the healthy theme for a second, right? That's the biggest thing for this game. This game on both sides of the ball. We're going to get in the stats and, and what they've done and what we've done. Both sides of the ball, this game will be one in the trenches. 100%. Period. And off the edge, like yes. Derrick Henry ran quite a bit against us last year. And for the Ravens, offensively and defensively, we both, I think, agree that we have serious questions and concerns with the lack of depth that we have right now and sustaining any other potential injury, knock on wood, we're screwed if one guy goes down in this game on either side of the ball. Yep. And it got me thinking, and this is for future, he, there's no way you get him in and have him ready for, for this week. Not going to happen, but maybe for the Pittsburgh game. We need some help defensively, especially with these guys going down. Calais, hopefully he comes back, but hopefully he doesn't re-injure. You hope that B-Will comes back and doesn't re-injure. Right. You got enough room in the cap. You go knocking on Petco's door again. Petco he's, was a he was a big addition last year. But he what, did well. What kind of shape is he in? That's could, the biggest question. Could he step right in and play? You know, right he away. He already knows. He already knows Wink. He already knows the scheme. It's a guy yeah. that's in house. He's a free, he's a free agent. I he know knows he the system. Retired. So the system wouldn't be the thing. It's what kind of shape has he kept himself in? You know, he's he's an older player, right? He, he did, is. He did he did well for us last year. I just don't know if that's realistic to think that you could go sign him tomorrow and have him start on Sunday. I don't know if that's realistic. Uh, I'm trying to solve an in-house, you know, a problem semi-in-house. I'll tell you how you solve it in-house. And this is the way, I think the only way that the Ravens beat the Titans on Sunday. You got to get back to what you did last year offensively 
in the sense that you got to control time of possession. You got to limit, yeah. got to limit the amount of times that the Tennessee Titans are on the field and as many touches that Derrick Henry is going to get. You have to limit it. So you have to not just control it. You have to dominate time of possession. And that falls on the offense. The offense has to be super efficient. Last year, when they got the ball, and maybe this is just me, you know, obviously I was in the stands and, you know, the atmosphere was there and I was always pumped for these games and all that stuff. But every time the offense touched the ball last year, I had this level of confidence and this level, this feeling inside that they were going to score every time they in touched the ball. In some way, shape, or form. Exactly. They were going to score every time they touched the ball. I don't feel that this year, and I haven't felt that at all this year. And they need that in this game. They have to control time of possession. They have to score every time they touch the ball. They got to have these long sustained drives that just kills clock and kills clock because you know if you don't have Clay's Campbell out there, you don't have Brandon Williams out there, you've got rookies at linebacker. If LJ yeah. Ford's not ready to play, Derrick Henry's going to get his. Last Just like Patrick Mahomes is going to get his when he plays against us. And Derrick Henry's going to get his. Last year, we were having four-minute drives that were resulting in points. Now we're having two- and three-minute drives that are resulting in no points. That's where you got to your point. I called it during that game. I said that first drive when they got possession in the third quarter, they needed to have about a seven-minute drive that took time off the clock and scored. Right. Even if it was just a field goal, they had to score. What do we do? Super efficient in the red zone. Yep. It just, it killed us in this game. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's look at this by the numbers, right? Let's talk. Let's talk Derrick Henry. Let's start with him, right? We've we've been on Derrick Henry. Well, yeah, we've been on Derrick Henry, but let's talk about what he did against the playoffs last year. Let's start with that, right? So last year he had 30 rushing attempts against us in that playoff game, Mm -hmm. 195 yards, 6.5 average. He had a 66-yard run, was his longest, which we all remember that run, and we're not even going to get into that. Yeah. Uh, Earl Thomas gift that will never go away. Yeah. <laughs> then, there, then there was the fact that he was also – he also caught two passes in that game. Yeah. Right, for seven yards total. Not huge, I don't worry about Derrick Henry in the pass game. No. It's what he's going to do against us on the ground, how he's going to – I mean, this guy is a defensive end. With four four type speed and can just power through you. He's what yeah. two hundred and fifty pounds at six foot Although three. Somebody said he looked like he had lost weight. No, he past, ain't lost what week. maybe an ounce. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little bit. But His no, he looks a little thinner. He's like two hundred and fifty pounds. He's a modern day Eddie George in yeah, oh, a way that yeah. he was built. Eddie hell George yeah. is a guy that I absolutely idolized. I loved him growing up. And, and, you know, obviously I was a big Ravens fan. So when he got drafted by the Titans, it was the, the rivalry back and forth between them. Yeah. Uh, but he's got that mold. He's got that body feel. And we don't have a Ray Lewis to go up against him and stuff him. No. So the only way I think that you contain and beat Derrick Henry, to my point earlier, is controlling time of possession and being super efficient on offense. You have to be. This, this year, he's got 201 attempts. He's first in the, in the league. Right. On rushing attempts. He's second in the league on yards. 946 yards already this year. Right. He's tied for fifth with touchdowns out of running backs. That's eight rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry, which is actually 16th middle of the road in the league. Right. For this year. Well, I'm not worried about what he's done against everybody else. I'm worried about what he's doing against us and against how he's going to look against this defense. Yeah. But our offense has a chance in this game because 
Tennessee's defense is not very good. They're ranked 25th, giving up 398 yards per game as a total defense. Yeah. 277 on the ground. I don't know. 277 through the air. And no, no, you're right. 277 on the ground, 120 in the, in the passing game. That they're giving can't up, be right. They're giving up more in the run game than they are in the pass game. That can't be right. I double-checked it. Really? <laughs> wow. Well, they're 17th at giving up 26.1 points per game, right? So their defense... You're making me, like, triple-check it now. I, I can't believe that that's right, that they're giving up 277 I'm yards I'm looking at the, the ground, stats. But just Give me go a check. No, you're good. But, again, their defense is susceptible. So this is a chance for the Ravens to get back to that ground-and-pound offense that we've been wanting, right? Find the hot hand. If it's J.K. Dobbins who's got the hot hand in this game, stick with him. If it's Gus Edwards that's got the hot game, a hot hand in this game, stick with him. I want to see some, you know, where we talk about being a balanced offense and all that stuff. Yeah, we, you want to be a little bit balanced as far as run versus pass, but not with us. Not with what Damn we're it. built to be. You were right. I trip, I you had it reversed. Checked. I, I, reversed. I thought you had it reversed. But still, 277 yards. Through the air at 120 yards on the ground. 120 yards through the ground is nothing to scuff 400 at. yards of total offense that they're giving up. So yeah. we we can do it. Uh, you just like I said, you got to ride the hot hand. I think you get J.K. Dobbins involved in a lot of the dump offs because he's got that again that elusiveness, that that low center of gravity where he can make plays out of the backfield. If you're not just giving him the ball, if you're just doing a dump off, that's fine. I want to see some crossing routes, some easy, quick routes where you can hit your receiver in stride and let Hollywood make a play, let Willie Sneed make a play. We saw that against, I think it was against the Steelers, where Willie Sneed on a crossing route caught the ball on the move and took it, you know, took it for a big game. Yeah. Those are the type of passing plays in this offense that I want to see. Because if you can do those underneath routes like that, that's eventually going to open up the passing lanes down the field for the big plays, which have been a complete miss for this offense. Yeah. Well, and then the offensive side of the ball for them, they're get, they're passing at 225 yards a game and they're rushing at 148 yards a game. Right. right? That's a scary 148 yards is, is against some pretty stout defenses recently that they've played against. Right. We're thin. We know we're thin. I'm look, we're getting into predictions in a minute. I'm worried Derek Yard Derek Henry has another 175 plus yard game against us. He has one game so far that he had 212 yards in. Yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried that we're thin enough at this point and we don't have enough we don't have enough experience out there and the guys that we want to have out there. I'm worried this is going to be a good a good big game for Derrick Henry and people are, that's going to get people up in arms. See, see, they can't do it, but they're not taking into account this is not the off or the defensive line that to somebody's point a minute a few minutes ago chimed in and said this was the team. I think it was Steve that we designed this defense to beat. Right. All right. Well, that leads that leads us into our prediction segment. Before we do, want to do a quick social media shout out. So, for you guys out there that don't know, if you haven't realized, James has been in the chat room. Ryan's been in the chat room. I think Brian, I've seen him in there a little bit in the Drew. chat room. Drew's in the, Drew's in the chat room. Uh, we're under COVID isolation as a Birdland BS staff. Uh, Scott and I are in the studio tonight by ourselves, and we'll uh, play it week to week by ear. Yeah, whether we do this, we, year we or could virtually. go back to a remote show for though for those who have tuned in for us for the past year and a half at least. You saw us do our show for a while there remotely. We could go back to that 
uh, moving forward. Just safety protocols, keeping everybody healthy, making sure, especially around here during the holidays, just so you guys know, we're trying to keep everybody healthy during the holidays. So. All right, but let's go ahead and run down these names. Go ahead, Scott. Just start shouting All right, out. Steve, Drew, uh, James, Craig Zero, Deshaun, Nick, uh, Steve, Garnett, Dominic, Garnett again, Justin, uh, Chuck, See, there's a whole bunch of you guys have been chiming in. Jeez. Uh, Dominic, uh, OG Ray Jack, Craig Zero again. Deshaun. Deshaun. I know I said Deshaun earlier. Joe Carlozo. I should have let you pronounce that name. <laughs> Steve Samuel Jackson. What's up, man? Uh, let's see. Ryan. Ryan. Well, who cares about Ryan? CB. <laughs> Nobody cares about Ryan. Got a lot of you guys chiming Alex. in. Alex. Appreciate you chiming in, man. We got a lot of people out there. Sharon Sherry. I know I saw you earlier. Appreciate you chiming in. Uh, we're trying to make do. It's a lot for us too now. Yeah. With everything that we've done, just to be on our own, it's a lot yeah, to right. keep up with. It, it's it, we have a whole new appreciation for all these guys Hi, when they're not here. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we appreciate you guys. Keep the comments coming. We're trying to work them in. As if you haven't noticed, we're keeping them coming. You know, keep them coming. We're trying to work them in as we can. Get um, your predictions in. We're getting yeah. ready to get into our prime time prediction. We're going to start with the Ravens. The Ravens yeah. and the Titans. Let us know how you guys see this game shaking out. What are your score predictions? Scott, I'll let you kick it off. All right. Ravens, Titans, Sunday, 1 o'clock at the bank. So I got to point out, before we do that, uh, last week, I went 0-3. <laughs> so well, that real saw. I went Brian, went Brian went 0-3. James went 1-2. Ryan went 1-2. You went 2-1. You now lead the league 26-13. I'm 18-21 along with Brian. James 23 and 16 and Ryan is 25 and 14. You got the pick to click yet again, which may take six for you, my friend. And I think it puts it completely out of reach for everybody else. Yeah, uh, I think it's if you get one more, it's done. That's it. Right. Uh, but you predicted the Colts would beat the Titans 27, 24. They wound up winning 34, 17. So you one had of a, the worst pick. You had, I've diff, ever you had a point differential of like 14. Yeah. And our, our rule is you have to you can't just have the point differential. You have to have the winning team. Right. And you had it with 14. It's the worst point differential. You guys had, had some win. good predictions as far as scores go, but you had the wrong team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. All right. So let's get into it this week. We got Ravens and Titans on Sunday at one o'clock for me. Look, this is this will be a first for me. It's the first time this year. I'm not so sure. That the Ravens can do Not it. Not feeling confident, huh? Not that the Ravens can do it. Look, I'm a Ravens fan, but I'm also, we've talked about this. I'm a realist. Yeah. I, I have concerns. I do think it will come down to technically a one score game. But I do have the Titans winning this 32 to 24. I just think, I think Derrick Henry's going to gash us for too much and more than we can handle. I think we're going to be able to handle their defense with our offensive play as long as we're. We get back to running the freaking ball and then opening up the passing game. I just don't know that we can cap Derrick Henry with the staff that we have right now. I, I'm right there with you. And this is a first for me as well. I, I don't see the Ravens winning this game. Um, I think that if we were 100% healthy, especially defensively, I think we have a good chance of winning this game. Yeah. But there's so many question marks going into this game as far as who's going to be available, who's not. And we saw what the Patriots and Damian Harris did against us last week. And no home field advantage because for this game, no Ravens fans either. None. I made that announcement. So if you haven't heard, there will be no Ravens fans at the stadium this year or this week. Yeah. So, yeah. And basically neutral playing playing grounds. 
Brian and Brian and Ryan are right there with us. Brian has Titans winning thirty-one to ten. He doesn't. I think he's lowballing our point score there. Uh, Ryan has it thirty-one to twenty, so he's a little bit better. I think you and I are more on the same page than the two of them. Uh, but James is the only one that still seems to be drinking the purple Kool Aid. And I, you I know, like what? It. I hope he's right. I hope he's right too. I will gladly take the L right on the forehead. We will take sho- we will take shots on air in James's honor next week if the Ravens win because I we'll hope do a we shot do. On air regardless, but yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> we might need to fill up here in a minute. Uh, Ravens, he's got Ravens twenty seven seventeen. I absolutely yeah. hope that that's the case. I hope we we do make it happen. We've got to put it out there because I didn't put my score out there. I just said they were going to lose. So I I've got the Titans winning this. It's going to be a close one. And again, I just don't feel confident. I don't have that confidence in the offense that I had last year. I still don't, you know, I, I just, I got to see it. They got to prove it to me at this point. That's the way I feel about this team, and I hate that. I yeah. was, I had such high expectations for this team going into this year, and it I don't wouldn't be feel as, it. It wouldn't be as bad if we didn't have the injuries from last week. I'll be honest with you. I agree. I agree. Like I said, if the, if the defense was healthy, I'd feel a lot more confident. I got the Titans winning 27-24. B, B. Will and Calais Campbell are in there. I'm probably agreeing with Drew here, who's who's our you know, he's our one of our guests that comes on every once in a while. Drew says Ravens 30 to 27 in this. He thinks it's gonna be a close game, just like you and I do. Right. But he's got it being there. Dominic, uh, scroll up for me a little bit. We yeah. got some some of these predictions flowing in that I want to get out there. Uh we've got Nick says Titans 24-16. Let's see. uh, Dominic says 27-20 Ravens. Uh, So we've got got some mixes here. Joe says 28-20 Titans. 23-20 Ravens from Craig Zero. Alex says 35-20 Titans. I hate it, but we just have too many injuries. That's what we're saying, man. It it just comes down to that. We got some some other other predictions flowing in for some of the other games. So all right, so all right, we'll let's move them. right on to that. So Thursday night football, and probably in my opinion, will be one of the best Thursday night football games of the year. Listen to Steve chiming in here: thirty-five twenty-five, no purple Kool Aid. Ravens win. Okay, listen. I hope you're right, Steve. Steve Steve is a guy who is a one hundred percent a Lamar, Lamar believer, guy. and he believes in this team, and I love his confidence, and, and I hope. You are right, Steve. I, I really hope you're right. I sure hope you are. We just have so many question marks. But all right. And like I said, I think what's going to be probably the best Thursday night football game of the year, a rematch. Is a, this even a question? This is the best Thursday night football <laughs> game of the year with what we've seen so far this yeah. year? A rematch of the Cardinals and the Seahawks. This game was back and forth at the end of the game, ended up going into overtime, and, and the Seahawks ended up blowing it. This was the game I believe I think this is the game that DK Metcalf ran down the defender and tackled him oh, at yeah, the twenty yeah. or at the uh, five yard uh, Buda line. Baker. Buda Baker, that's right. Yep. Uh, so it's a rematch of that game. This was that was a ESPN that was classic. A, right yeah, away. That, was a, that was a good game. It's a great game. How do you see this game shaking out? For me, I've got this being. I, I think there's a hot streak, and I somebody said it a few weeks ago that Kyler Murray right now is where is where and what Lamar was last year. And I think that's a good comparison. Mm. It's not maybe not 100% accurate, but it's still a good comparison because yeah. Kyler Murray has the better arm, in my opinion, of the two of them. Mm. You don't think so? Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. I don't right. know. I don't know. Either way, he also has really, he also has a true fucking number one wide receiver. Uh, that yeah, he has week. the best wide receiver <laughs> in the game. So stupid I, Texans. I have this being a one score game. Yet another one score game for me. 34 27. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. 
I'm going to go the opposite way on this. Really? I, I, I do think that this is going to be another close game. Uh, I think Russell Wilson goes on a run here for the rest of the season and wins his first MVP of the year. I mean, Russell Wilson looked great the first five weeks of the season. I mean, he was on a re- absolutely ridiculous pace. And I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder after losing Maybe. that game against the Cardinals. I'm a believer in Kyle Murray. I got Kyle, Kyle Murray. Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyler Murray on pretty much every one of my fantasy football teams because he's an absolute fantasy beast, right? And like I said, he's got one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the game now, and DeAndre Hopkins Hands out down. there, right? Uh, I think this would be a close game, but I think we see another kind of big play at the end to make a difference in this game, and I think it goes the other way. Seahawks win 31-28. All right, well, you you are apparently in line with Brian here. Um, so I hope that I hope that it follows suit with Brian's picks here recently, uh, because Brian also has the Seahawks, but he's got to be in a bigger bigger game, two score game, forty two to thirty, for in favor of the Seahawks. Wow. Uh, James and Ryan both also have the Cardinals as well as me. They've got thirty. James has thirty seven thirty one Cardinals, and Ryan has forty two thirty eight Cardinals. And I know I saw Drew Drew chime in because he's he's been he's been pushing those over to us with all of his scores. Drew says he's got the Seahawks winning thirty eight thirty seven. So we're split three and three, three and three. three Seahawks, three Cardinals. All right, Sunday night football. Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champs go into. Las Vegas, almost said Oakland, go into Las Vegas to take on the Grudens and the Raiders. The Raiders. Raiders are playing good football. Um, They're a team that I really didn't have a whole lot of expectations for, but they had, like, I want to say 30 draft picks in the first three rounds of this year's draft or some shit like that. I want to say they drafted 19 wide receivers in this draft, something ridiculous like that. Like, they're building – down there in Las Vegas. And I think they're playing a little bit above where I think a lot of people expected this team to play. And I think they'll stay in this game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout by the chiefs. The chiefs haven't, the chiefs haven't put it all together yet, which is scary because they're still a very good football team. They're a very good football team. Probably the number one contender for the super bowl again. Yeah. But they haven't put it all together. And I don't think that this is the week that they put it all together. I think the Chiefs and the Raiders keep it close, but the Chiefs ended up pulling it out 35-27. I don't have it being quite that close. I've got it being 33-21, but I agree with everything you just said. The Chiefs are just playing playing too good. The, Ryder, the Raiders have been surprising in what they've done, yeah, but they haven't been next level. Right, they they just haven't gone to that next level next next year of play. So I agree with the Chiefs win thirty three twenty one. James and Ryan both also also agree with us. James says forty one twenty seven. He's got this being a little bit more of a blowout than you do. Yeah, and then Ryan's got it being probably the closest out of anybody uh, next to close. next to Brian. He's got this being a thirty five thirty two Chiefs win. Okay, and Brian has this being a Raiders win. 30 to 27. And our buddy Drew, he's got this in a blowout. He's got the Chiefs winning 42 to 20 in a 22 point. So he's blowout. got the biggest blowout of all of us. Chiefs are on a vengeance to come back and beat the Raiders after losing the last time. Yeah. It's chip on your shoulder, but you can't ignore what they did to him the last time. That's true. 
That's so. true. Monday Night Football. What could be the second best game of the week? <laughs> could be a very good game. This is the Rams go down to Florida. They take on the Bucks. This is a clean sweep. Take on the COVIDs. Yeah. The the Bucks. The Bucks are winning. This is a clean sweep from all of us. I'll just leave it. I think actually I think to Drew. Did Drew this, go Rams? Uh, I think Drew went Rams. I think Drew did go Rams. Yeah. Drew Rams, did go Rams, Rams 20, 20 to 14. To 14. So yeah, it might be a clean clean sweep, but I'll be honest with you. To your point, the Rams have played good all around football lately. They look like a much improved defense. Uh, their offense is 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 starting to get rolling. Uh, I think they keep this game real close, and I think it comes down to whoever has the ball last in this game. Uh, you know, look, Tom Brady put is he's he's been like very boom or bust lately in the last couple of weeks. But I think on Monday Night Football, we all know Tom Brady always does well on Monday Night Football, right? I think between him and what the Rams are doing, it's going to be a tight game. I got the Rams pulling it out late, thirty-one thirty. Very close game. Not far off from you, but I've got the the Bucks as well. Did you say you got the Rams pulling it out? Did I, I say the, Rams? I, I think you Bucks. said okay. I, Bucks. Say, I had the Bucks pulling it out as well, twenty eight to twenty seven. Um, the one thing that I I think is going to play a huge factor in this game: how much are the Rams going to miss Andrew Whitworth on that yeah. left guard or that left tackle spot? Right. Yeah, veterans That's, played a long time in this and, league. He and probably his, played his last snap. He may, ha- he may have. I don't. I haven't heard much about the injury. I haven't really looked into it either. This but. was probably going to be his last year anyway. He's played a long. He may long have had. Time. He may have had one more good year. One more year in him left. You know to make you know make a last hurrah kind of thing. But yeah, I, I think we've yet to see how this affects the Rams long term because he went down. I think late in that game. Mm-hmm. Um. So I look. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a tight one. And this could go either way. I'm saying right now, the Rams very could, very well could win this game. It is going to come down to a last possession for yeah. somebody. I just think it's going to be the Bucks, and I really think it's because of Whitworth going down. All right, man. Brian's got the Bucks, 37-17 in a blowout. James got a 34-24. Ryan's got it Rams. So he was the one guy that's got it Rams. Oh, no, him and Drew have it Out Rams of us, then. right. Rams, 28-17. All right, Scott, it's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what did Jerry and the boys hook us up with this week? So this week's brew comes to us from Port City Brewing Company. Uh, It's out of Alexandria, Virginia. This one is called Integral Uh. IPA, and it stands solid at a 7%. We've had some pretty good beers from them in the past, haven't we? Uh, This one, to me... It's got a little bit of a of a tropical undertone, not like not a normal citrus undertone. This has got a little bit of like, I would say like pineapples and mangoes, and just got a little bit of everything tropical in it. Uh, what do you think the company's got to say about it, though? So here's what they've got to say on their website. They say breathe deep. Integral IPA is all about big, complex aromas coaxed from some of your favorite new school American hops. A refined, dry body serves as a golden hued canvas for layers of layers of hop character. Think overripe pineapple. You uh, called that one. Nice. Guava and melon. I don't even know what a guava is. You ever had a guava? Nope. We're going to get a guava. You're going to try it on there. Yep. You can see how much <laughs> I ate my fruits. Guava. No idea. They say you can thank Hop Zuka and Hop Bursting for that. So not a bad beer no, at all. Not at all. Uh, we, this is yet another good beer that we've actually had from them. We, we, I bought the last few times that we, we've gotten from them. And then I'm going to bring it up again because it was so good that we bought more. 
Yeah, if you haven't had this yet, man, get there to get this. And James James didn't want to drink it because he hates Dreamsicle. But it's Dreamsicle Orange Cream Hard Apple Cider. The I whole lot of flavor. So you get the Dreamsicle like to start. It's like and an orgasm in the mouth. You went there. I didn't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that's like, but I'm just saying if I did, that's probably what is it, it's like. Is it orange cream in your mouth? There you go. There you go. It's No, but this stuff is good. Uh, if you're looking for something that's got a lot of flavor um, and something that's that's really strong in that cider taste and the aftertaste, it's it's there. But in the beginning, that Dreamsicle flavor is actually really, really good. So make sure you guys head to Liquor Stop, 1510 Conowingo Road. Let them know Birdland BS sent you, and you'll get your 10% off. All right, Scott, it's time for some shell and tell. Ryan, we miss you. Wish you were here for it. I know it's uh it's been it's been an interesting couple of weeks is we we flew on cloud nine there for a few days as the Terps won a huge game, go up to PA and stuff it in Penn State's face, just like Joe Carloso. (laughs) Just like they did to us. (laughs) <laughs> Last year, as they beat Penn State in their house, thirty-five to nineteen. Yeah, huge, huge game here. Look, it was a short road trip for them. Yeah, great weather, and they were playing with a lot of grit and a lot of fight. Yeah. It looked, they looked good. Um, I gotta ask you, right? You gave me a lot of shit. A few yeah, you're ago. gonna eat that sandwich. We'll see. You're gonna eat that sandwich. We'll see. We'll okay. see. It's been two weeks now, and it was against Minnesota and. Penn State, eat them words. We'll get to that in a minute. Eat them words. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Can Talia keep it up? Yeah, I, I have a lot of faith in him. And, and, it's, and it goes beyond just Talia. It goes to the outstanding play of this offensive line. The offensive line, I mean, we all had question marks. And there's still question marks, especially contain, concerning the depth. You know, like we talk about with the Ravens, they're they're one or two injuries away from potentially starting yeah, some pieces a, that uh, a, trouble situation. It could be very detrimental. But if this offensive line stays healthy and continues to play the way that they're playing right now, and they stay away from the COVID, stopping the parties after the games and shit like that, that's been a problem. <laughs> Get to that in a minute. Yeah. The offensive line play has been crucial to Talia. Other side, the playmakers, which we all knew going into this season were going to be good, especially the wide receiver core. Rakim. Rakim Jarrett, yeah. Rakim Jarrett, he has been as advertised, if not better. Dante Demas, we've talked about him since Ryan and I went to the spring game last year and we first saw him. We said that's a body and a guy that has potential NFL talent. We just hope he gets to see the field and gets to display it here while he's here in Maryland. We're starting to see that. So, all right. So, Talia was 18 for 26 for 282 yards in this game with three TDs. Yep. Two of them to Rakeem Jarrett. Yep. Who had five receptions total. So, five receptions, two of them being touchdowns for 144 yards in this game. Let me ask you a question. How high is Rakeem Jarrett's ceiling after a game like this? Rakeem is, the sky is the limit for this kid. He, he's got the work ethic. I mean, we saw the workout videos. And this is a kid, again, in high school. You saw the workout videos of Rakeem. You saw the, the, the workout videos of Ruben, right? These are two guys that take their fitness to, to, a, whole a, whole new to a whole new level, right? Uh, 
The week prior against Minnesota, he had some family and some friends challenging him on social media. He noted that and then went out there and had a huge game, turned up field like we all hoped he would. The two touchdowns that he caught looked like mirror images of, the, of each other. I mean, even the, the, the play-by-play announcer, kudos to her, who called it yeah. as it happened with that second touchdown. Like Last time they lined up in this formation, Rakim went to the house, and boom, same exact play. Yeah. He goes to the house again. It was crazy. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. And the good thing about it, again, is they've got weapons all over the field. They've got J- Jason Jones. They've got Dante Demas, right? Br- Brian Cobbs has played good. Yeah. They've got a really, really good wide receiver core that a defense can't hone in on any which one guy because they've got so many to break you down. No, and you bring up Demas, right? He had six receptions in this game for 86 yards and one of the other TDs in this game that, yeah. that Talia threw. So huge, huge deal here for these guys and just what they're able to able to bring to the table. I do have to ask because you, you talked about workouts, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to make everybody think a little bit further back. Um, this goes out to Ryan, and it goes out to you, because the two of you the two of you had said at one point, and there was a video that even Ryan put out, of him trying to do a Ruben Hippolyte workout video. Whatever happened to the two of you um, doing a video of that workout together? <laughs> together? I didn't know we were supposed to do a video yeah, together. we said it on air. He, he put out a video of him on the and beach. And then after we brought that up, he said he was going to challenge you to it, and you oh, said, let's go. Let's do it. We're supposed to do a basketball game, too, remember? <laughs> yeah, we haven't done that yet. One-on-one, Ryan, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> taking it down so but yeah no th- this wide receiver core has done well but they they've been on the other side of that right let's talk jake funk for a minute yeah. this guy's a fifth year senior coming off surgeries on both knees in his throughout his collegiate career yep has he done enough this year so far and mind you this game he had 16 carries for 80 yards and one td not a bad line no I mean, he's a little shy of what he ran for 220 the week before, but right. just a little bit. Still a great line against Penn but State. But even still, has he done enough this year to cement a place in the draft or at least on an NFL roster next year? Ah, man. As much as I, you know, huge Terp fan, I love Jake Funk. I don't think his game translates to the NFL. And when you're talking about a guy with two major knee injuries – and you're talking about a shelf life of a running back in the NFL. Already short. Already yeah. short. They're usually like three years. I don't think Jake Funk has much of a of an NFL career, but I will tell you this. He will 100% still be in the game. He will be a coach. If 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 Mike Loxley doesn't hire Jake Funk as, as like a, a coach, coach, as a running back coach yeah. or strength and conditioning, something to keep him here, that's a huge miss for this university because – He's got everything about it. The, the the players love him. I mean, they've all called him Coach Funk. You know, yeah, since, since around, day yeah. one, right? So, I don't think he's got NFL prowess as far as playing potential, but he could very easily get into the game as a coach at a very very young age, right after college, and then eventually maybe have an NFL career as a coach down the line. I don't I don't blame that. I think it's a smart move. I don't I wonder I have to look, you know, or maybe our resident our Terps B expert over there uh could chime in with if he knows what Jake Funk's master is, you know, what his, what his uh masters or bachelors will be in or is in. Uh, I'd be curious to find I know out. His brother's a doctor. Yeah, I'd be curious to find out if it translates or if he Dr. has Funk. does does he have other plans outside of football 
with a, a career in whatever he's he's going to master and whatever he's going to get his degree in. I'd be curious to find that out. I'll tell you what, he'll be a guy that right after the season, I'm going to try to get lined up for an interview uh, for the Shell and Tell podcast because can't get around this guy, Dustin. If you're watching the show, screw you, Dustin. Can't get around <laughs> that guy. Uh, we'll figure out a way. We'll do it after the year. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. In this in this Penn State game, two big, big names in this game. At defense as a whole, seven sacks, six pass deflections, and two interceptions. Sacks is a big number because that's yeah. that's been something that missed the first two weeks is we didn't get create a whole lot of pressure. We didn't get a lot of, you know, home. So against again a team like Penn State to get seven sacks, that's huge. Yeah. yeah that's it's, huge. It's, it's huge. So let's talk about one of the bigger impacts in this game, in my opinion. Chance Campbell. Chance Campbell's been playing out of his mind recently. Not just this game, it's been all year. Yeah. Six tackles, mm-hmm. half a sack, right? So, but six tackles. Two fumble recoveries, one of which was for a TD. Right. Big game out of this kid. What are you seeing out of this kid that's taking him to the next level? He's a leader in every which way the word is represented. Like, he, he's a leader in the locker room. He's a leader, you know, in the huddle. Uh, he's, his football IQ is just it's, – it's immense compared to some of the other linebackers out there. Uh, I, t- I talked about it on on the the last episode of Shell and Tell that I think you need to start considering his name in the in the talks for the Buckus Award, which is for the best linebacker in in the nation. Yeah. And right now, through three games, he's played that well. If we get to that point where we actually start giving awards out because <laughs> yeah. COVID, you know that whole factor. But uh, yeah, I mean, we saw him kind of spring onto the scene last year, made some big plays, and we started to kind of notice him last year. Uh, and we thought, man. This is a guy that we have high expectations for to take that next step this year. So and far, yeah, he is not disappointed. At Another all. guy that hasn't been disappointing. He's been out of. He's had a few up and down games. There's a few, uh, I think, one or two busted coverages that he that he was involved in. But I think it was him making up for somebody else's busted coverage. Uh, Nick Cross, eight tackles in this game. He does have one sack, two pass deflections, and he did have the one interception in this game. So let me ask you as a whole: This defense, no doubt, is looking good. Yeah. Chance stepping up, Nick playing well, Ruben getting in on the action this past week, looking had really a, well. Ruben had a big game. He had two sacks in that game. Big game here for him. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to be real. Okay. Don't be drinking the red and, red and gold Kool-Aid, okay? Right. Be real. I like it, though. 64 ounces of Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bert Kirsch. <laughs> Is this defense that good? against some of these top-tier teams? Or is this a false sense with the way that some of these offense, some of these offenses are playing on these big-name teams consistently badly? I mean, the defense as a whole hasn't played that good. I mean, they played good in this Penn State game, but nobody has really played bad against Penn State. They, they didn't play – the defense didn't play very well against Minnesota. They got their asses handed to them against Northwestern. But what I'm happy to say is that I, I, I've seen improvement from this defense from week to week. They've okay. gotten better as a unit from week to week, especially in the secondary. The secondary, they got a lot of youth out there. Uh, they got a lot of guys that I just wasn't – I wasn't real sure on how they were going to translate. And how 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 they were going to play, and they've gotten better as each week's gone on. That kid still, he's a yeah. freshman. He's gotten better and better, and he played damn good in this Penn State game. 
Nick Cross, I know you brought his name up. He he's kind of the mystery to me. Not not the the talent. Like the talent is it's there. It's obvious, right? And he's played good this year. The mystery, and Ryan and I have talked about this, is we don't know where the best place to play him is. Like, cause he could play free. He can be that ball hawking, rangy safety. He has that ability, but he also has that ability to be that strong safety where he can kind of like Antoine Brooks did last year, where he played inside the box and he played a little bit of linebacker. He played more up. You can blitz him every once in a while. Yeah. He's a decent tackler, that kind of thing. He's got the size. So <clears throat> Nick Cross is kind of the wild card in the sense that he's good at everything. So, like, where do you play him, right? And I think that's going to just depend week to week. That's the sometimes players like him. It's actually, they're so good, it hurts them. Because you don't know where to play them to let them shine at at their highest level. And that's one of the big things. Look, to get to my question and and kind of basically get to what what I was trying to get at was these top-tier Big Ten teams, right, the way that everything has been shaking out this year so far, on paper, we're a top tier Big Ten team this year. At three games in, two and one. Yeah, we are. Yep. We're favored in the Michigan game now. Michigan State. Michigan State. We should be. The Ohio State game, what I think would have been the test. The Ohio State game, I'm 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 really disappointed. That they didn't get to play that game. If you didn't know, and we talked a little bit about it, the Ohio State game was canceled due to COVID. Uh, we got some inside information on that that I'm not going to share on the air, but uh, yeah, COVID went rampant uh, due to some guys making some poor decisions after the game. They're college kids, so this is going to happen. But the university needs to, and the coaching staff needs, needs to, to buckle down, to especially buckle in down this time, and keep these kids in line. Yeah. But my whole thing is, is I feel like some of these top tier teams, we've been seeing the struggles, right? Nobody knows what the hell is happening in the big 10 right now, because it's a cluster. I mean, outside of Ohio state, who, who else is really dominant in this conference right now? Northwestern. I think they're like (laughs) the only other one that's like undefeated at this point. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they look legit. They whooped our ass in week one. Again, maybe they're not the most talented as far as four and five star players. Continuity, continuity helps. goes for a long way, and these guys are playing inspired football. Yeah, and that's I guess that's that's kind of what I'm alluding. So to. So is Indiana. Is, I'm sorry, Indiana. That's the other team in the Big Ten. Very good. It's what I'm alluding to is the fact that we, I, I'm worried that it's a false sense to an extent that next year we're going to get a smack in the face. That's going to be like, oh shit, last year was last year was a fluke, right? I think we have talent. I don't know that we have enough in a true season where it starts on time, where everybody's playing, because there are players out there that aren't playing this year because of COVID. I don't know. I don't know. And that's that's what I'm saying. That's why I, here's, jo- here's, I joked around about Tolia earlier, right? And I said, I don't know yet, because I haven't seen the top tier t- defense that he went against. He, to your point, you said it, your own words. He got his ass whooped. Here's here's what I'm going to say. Well, prior to the season, when we did our predictions and we looked at the schedule, we said three, four wins is what we kind of expected out of this team, right? And we went down the games and we went down the list of those three or four wins. Week one, they get the doors blown off yeah. by Northwestern. And after that game, we're sitting there talking. I don't know where we find a win. 
We didn't even think we were going to find a win. We, we started looking through the schedule. Two. I was questioning two wins. Right. We were we weren't looking. We were trying to find a win. We were looking at the schedule after getting the, bl- the Northwestern was a wrap for all of us. We all thought Northwestern would be a definitive win. win. And we got our asses kicked. And we looked at that schedule and we said, I I don't know where the win is. Well, since then, they've won two games. The next two. Yeah. Right? So this team's playing good football. Now, granted, Minnesota isn't the best football team in the world. Penn State isn't what they normally would be. I get that. But there's still two Big Ten powerhouse teams that played very, very good football last year. Agreed. And they still got a ton of talent. I mean, Rashad Bateman for for Minnesota is a top ten NFL you know prospect yeah. right now. He's a top wide receiver He'll prospect. Go in the first round, yeah. They've got a lot first of talent on both of those rosters, and we were able to win those both of those games. We're going into a third week now with this next game up against Michigan State, which we're actually favored. The first game this year that we're favored to win against a, against another Big Ten team. Yeah, that means if we win this game in four games, we've won three. Which is what you predicted all year for the most right. Month. And two weeks ago, we were like, I don't know where a win is. Yeah, that's so, why I'm saying, is it a false sense? Right? I, I said there's it. some false sense to it because there's a false sense with the entire conference. Nobody knows who is good and who isn't. And Drew Drew made the point like they drug their feet. The Big Ten drug their feet with trying to figure this out. It actually took a fight from all these teams and all these programs to say. Like the, the boycotts and the protests and the petitions right. saying, let us play, let us play, let us play. That's why they're playing right now, because the booster said, you play or you're not getting any money. That's let's be real. This is a this is a this is a business, right? These are all businesses. Yes, they do education, but they're dealing. <laughs> their product is business or their, their product is education. They're, they are a business. So that's why I said what I did. Take a quick glance at this Michigan Michigan game real quick. Spartans are one in three, right? We need to be healthy to play the game, alluding to what you said with the COVID stuff. The yeah. game got canceled because we weren't healthy enough to actually be able to comfortably field a team that couldn't potentially transfer COVID to another team. That's right. why this whole thing got canceled. That's the first thing. Second thing, we got to have a balanced attack in this game. I think we've been seeing it. But it needs to continue. Yep. Jake Funk, I expect and hope Jake Funk has another big game in this game. And here's why. Because as far as rushing yards allowed, Michigan State is giving up 150 rushing yards per game on average. I'll take it. Yeah. And 242 passing. With the way Talia has been throwing, yes. It, if we can get that running game going... This could be a 400-yard game, almost 450 for this Terps offense. I get that, but look at the defensive side for the Terps. Terps are also giving up 250 yards through the air. They're giving up 230 yards yeah. on the ground. That's, that's They're the giving up side. almost 550 yards of total offense on the defensive side, right? And that, that means you can't let off on the offensive side, but you – the biggest thing on the the defensive side of the ball is you got to stuff the run. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I, th- I do think Jake Funk has a big day in this game. I wish and I hope <laughs> Tayon Fleet Davis is available to be able to play in this game. But, man, Tayon, let me talk to you for a second. Fred's going to go one-on-one with let you. Me, let me just have a talk with you for a second. Papa Fred here. 
What are you doing on social media, my friend? Get off. What are you doing? Get off. I get it. It was your boy's birthday. You wanted to give him a shout out on his birthday. But you had a DUI last year. And the picture you choose to give your buddy a shout out is you two in a club with bottles of wine in your hands. Come on. It's not a good look. It's not a good look, my friend. Clean it up, Tayon. I want to see you on the field. I want to see you in the backfield. I want to see you out there with Jake Funk getting yours. We need you. They need you. Do the right thing, kid. Clean it up. Yeah. Clean it up. I think you said it perfectly. He's, it, it, was a, it was a poor choice, but that comes back to what we said after that Penn State game. Look, I know it was a big win against Penn State, but you got you to keep these guys in check for this year. It's, yeah. a sim- it's as simple as that. Yeah, and, and you know it's, what's exciting for me is we talked about it during the Ravens segment, right? Last year with the Ravens, I told you, like, I was super confident every time the Ravens offense touched the ball, right? I had this, like, aura about myself. Like, we were going to score every time we touched the ball. I don't feel that with the Ravens. I feel that with, with the Terps right now. Every time the Terps touch the ball. It's been looking good. I'm excited. There's weapons all over the field. It's, it's, it's so crazy. I, I forget who I was talking to. It might have been Wes on uh, Twitter. I can't remember for sure. But somebody was talking about like the difference over you know some of the past Terps teams with some of the NFL talent that we had, but we weren't able to ever, ever do anything with it. And what we're doing right now, and I, I simply summed it up, is that's how – much of an impact having a legit quarterback and having a good offensive line can make. It's the quickest way to turn around a university. It's the quickest way to turn around a football squad. If you can plug in a quarterback that you can rely on, which we haven't had in, I don't know, two decades. It feels like it's been forever. We haven't had a good quarterback and you've got an offensive line that can give that quarterback time. This offense is exciting. He can throw the ball. He can move the ball. They've got wide receivers everywhere, which all that does is allow Jake Funk and the running backs to shine. Yeah. We need to see those freshman running backs. To Ryan's point, we need to see those freshman running backs, Isaiah Jacobs and Big Boy. They step up. Step up and get moving in this offense. Yeah. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's rundown. What do we got to start out here, one? This so week's? this week, we got to talk about the Masters. World okay. number one PGA pro. <laughs> what the fuck was that? It's just you know, the Masters theme music. I think you need to go back to the studio and work on that, Fred. <laughs> I try it again. World number one PGA pro Dustin Johnson put on a show at the Masters this weekend and showed why he is truly the best in the world right now. Because he finished his 72 hole score was 268. That's 20 under par. He broke the Masters record, which was set by, I remember this, was set by Tiger back in 1997. And the biggest reason I remember this, God rest his soul, Robin Williams made a, made a joke on this. about Hello! Rob- <laughs> that, that is the best Mrs. Doubtfire I've heard in a long time. That was pretty good. <laughs> We're going to have to get into your impressions. Yeah. Um, just, and it, it starts and ends with Miss Doubtfire. <laughs> where it goes. Don't, don't be cross-dressing out here, friend. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, so if well, the reason I remember is because Robin Williams did a whole skit in 2005 or 2006. Uh, Robin Williams live on Broadway, and he, he did a whole, whole portion of his skit on Tiger. And it was about, you know, how Tiger's coming in and he's like, 
and all 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 the old waspy motherfuckers in golf are sitting there looking at Tiger, going, "Oh dear God, he's eighteen under par after eighteen holes. We're fucked." <laughs> like, it was just uh, it's crazy. That's why it always sticks in my mind. And then Jordan Spieth in 2015 tied that record. Yeah, and that was at 270. He finished two more under par. That was 18 under par that those guys finished. He finished two more under par. That's difficult. Right. Especially the Masters, which I'll have to tell you later about the conversation I had with my neighbor, who is he's a, he's a PGA golf pro. He has a PGA card, and he's up at Bully Rock. He's the, he's the pro up there. So if you ever need lessons, I know Joe Colorlozo has actually seen him. So make sure you guys go see him. His name's Matt up at Bully Rock if you ever need lessons. But he went, he's been to Augusta. Yeah, And he was telling me how hard that course is during the spring. He was like, the fall? Jesus. I can't even imagine. I'm going to show you how much, how little I know about golf outside of Tiger Woods, Greg, <laughs> Greg Norman and all that stuff. That's a throwback. This, Greg this Norman, is sad. And I, and I hate the fact that we're even talking about golf and that I host a sports podcast and I'm about to admit this on live air. <laughs> I didn't know Augusta was in the United States until this year. <laughs> I legit did not know that. I had no idea. It's in Georgia. I did not know. I legit thought it was in like fucking Europe somewhere. I had no idea Augusta was in the United States until this year. I looked it up. I'm like, huh, it's a beautiful course. I've always thought that about this place. I'd love to go there, but it's probably a million dollars to. Oh, it's in Georgia. It's the the Masters is by invite only. By the way, wow, you have to apply. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's crazy. It is absolutely <laughs> crazy. But yeah, good on Dustin Johnson. Yeah. He, the guy the guy did really well. Kudos just, to that guy. Just really really impressed. <laughs> Fucking Augustus out of the country. I don't know. What do you think, Georgia? Georgia I, the I would I would assume the U.S. Open is in the U.S. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right, moving on, man. All right, so let's move over to a topic I at least know a little bit about. The NBA, right? So there's been some, a lot of moves, a lot of trades going on over the past couple of days as teams try to like kind of retool themselves after the year for next year. The you mean guy the year that starts in like three weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the guy that keeps just getting passed around like a two dollar bill, Chris Paul. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, apparently, the Phoenix Suns have now agreed in principle on a deal to acquire Chris Paul. The deal is going to send Paul and uh, Nader to the Suns for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen, I don't even know the guy, and a 2022 first-round pick. Look, I, maybe Chris Paul isn't quite the player that he once was when he was you know, in his heyday. What the fuck is going Why is this guy just keep getting passed around from team to team? So Paul wanted to go to OKC. Yeah. And, the, and they made that it part. It was, he was part of that. That big Russell Westbrook trade. Right. And then now he wants to get out of OKC. So they agree and trade him to the Suns. And I forget the guy's name. The Suns have a pretty decent guard over there. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Booker. Yeah. So he's going to, to join him. Right. So they're they're trying to the Suns are trying to step up their game. They go out and make this trade happen. I think personally, you know, I like Chris Paul, but he's starting to get up there in age a little bit. Yeah, he definitely is. And so I, I question, is the talent still there? You know, there, there's different things. But it's apparently there is there is something going on in uh, uh, shit. It's not the not the Phoenix Suns. Where where was um, Harden? Where was Harden at? Jesus Christ. 
Um, Houston? Houston. Yeah. There's some going on Houston. Yeah. Houston. But he wants uh, out. Harden wants out, too. Russell he, Westbrook said he wanted out. He, he wants Ty, to go play Ky, with Kyrie. Harden does. Well, that's <laughs> that's what's happened is Harden's trying to form that, you know, that three-piece, you know, super title, team. super <laughs> team up there in, in, in Brooklyn uh, with KD coming back now after his injury, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving yeah. and, you know, uh, Russell or, uh, Chris, Harden, yeah, Harden. If, if they can make that happen, yeah, that, I mean, that'd be it'd be a good. It'd be a it's good crazy team. to me that like players can just dictate this though. Be like, I, you know, it's one thing to be like, you know what, I'm not happy. I want to trade, but to be like, you know what, I don't want to play here anymore. I want to go play with my friends in Brooklyn, right? Like, I don't want to go anywhere but there. And like, you're gonna make it, and happen. you're gonna make it happen. He apparently turned down. A fifty million dollar oh, yeah. contract a year. He would have been the highest played pay player per per year dollar wise in the NBA. Hold and on, he turned it down. if you didn't hear that, he turned down fifty million dollars a year because he wants to go chase a title. Which I get. I understand the ultimate prize is to win an NBA title, and if you don't feel like you're doing that, especially when you're on the back half of your career like that, I get that. But he turned down fifty million dollars. Drew says that's why I can't follow the league anymore. It's that, ridiculous, it's, and I and I yeah. agree. It all started with the whole LeBron thing. I know, like you know, there's some people that say, "Oh, well, Jordan had a super team." Da, da, da. But it's, it, Jordan had that team drafted to him, and he made those players better into what they were. LeBron put the puzzle pieces together himself. It started there. And now you're seeing all these other teams kind of do the same thing. The Clippers tried to do it down there yeah. and it never worked out for them. Uh, you know, the, the, you see pieces try to bundle together. And it, it, I know the Bulls tried it and it failed. Right. Yeah. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. And then now the, I heard, I heard uh, Giannis is once away from the Bucks too. If they, if they aren't willing to get somebody around him. Well, the Giannis or uh, the Bucks just made a big deal too. Uh, they got drew holiday. I think. Drew Holiday uh, in a trade. They gave up a ton of stuff to yeah. get him, though. Uh, so they got some pieces moving down there. But we'll all right, let's switch it up. MLB. Yeah. Florida Mar or not Florida Marlins. <laughs> Miami shows how old I am. <laughs> yeah, it's a throwback. Miami Marlins made some historic news. Yeah. So they hire Kim Yang, which is their their new general manager, and she makes Major League Baseball's first female GM. Uh, so history made here. She's 51. But for, for those of you that, you know, are like, okay, where does she come from? What's her background? She was MLB's senior vice president of baseball operations for the past nine years. Yeah. Oh, and wait. She's been in baseball for 30 years. Oh, I was saying. Oh, and wait. She also was on teams in the Yankees and the Dodgers when they won rings. Yeah. So this is a long overdue yeah. move for somebody to make, whether it was going to be the Miami Marlins or whoever it was going to be. This woman, this, has, this woman was overqualified for the position. This woman has been involved with the playoffs eight times between the Yankees and Dodgers and won three World Series with between those two teams. Right. She is the highest ranking Asian American female baseball executive, period. And now she's the first GM. She continues to make history. I saw a, a picture of her and I had to put it up here. Her out there with a glove, yeah, in the outfield, fielding fly ball. I love it. Credit to her, like she's she's out there. Mike Elias, I like Mike Elias. He's not even out there fielding balls like that, right? She's out there doing because she is in tune with the game. And I tell you what, you got Derek Jeter's respect. Yeah, I'm looking your way. Right. This ain't no like, oh, we're just gonna make history. This is she knows baseball. 
100%. And she's going to make it work. The last thing I want to get to on MLB before we flip over, we have to quickly talk about it, is what happened this week with the MLB awards. Now, these are posthumous awards because it was a shortened season. Yeah. But let's just run through these. I want to get your quick take. AL and NL MVP. I don't know if you saw Freddie Freeman and Abreu. Yeah. I think both good choices. Great choices here. Braves made a deep run into the playoffs. I mean, Freddie Freeman, he's been playing outstanding baseball for the past few years. Uh, Jose Abreu, since he's been, you know, picked up by the White Sox and, and come into the league, he's done big things. He had 60 RBIs in the shortened season. Yeah. Uh, was second in home runs with 19, fourth in average with 317. I mean, you can't, you you can't, can't argue it. You can't deny any of that. Yeah. yeah. You, you just can't. Uh, Cy Young's. These were both slam dunks to me. Agreed. Like, it shouldn't have never been an argument. And it wasn't in the case of the American League as Shane Bieber, first unanimous choice since 2011 for the AL Cy Young Award. He had a 1.63 ERA, which is the lowest qualified ERA, get this, since 1969. Same year was also the lowest opponent's average since 19, 1969. He had let his opponents sit an average of 167. All why it was unanimous. It was a no-brainer. Exactly. And the other guy, Trevor Bauer. How can you not love this guy? I love Trevor Bauer. I do, I, too. I love his personality. He's great to follow. He's too. got attitude. On Twitter. But he's, he, like, he also gets baseball. 173 ERA. Yep. 276. Or his ERA plus is 276. His whip Point seven nine. Ridiculous. Not even giving up one walk and hit per inning. It's ridiculous. Crazy. Opponents average. We talked about the one sixty seven. That's the AL. He left one fifty nine opponents hit against him. Only person hitting below that, Chris Davis. Yeah, and two shutouts in that uh, <laughs> rookie of the year awards. Uh, unanimous selection for Kyle Lewis, the Mariners player. The Mariners uh, player, Ryan. You're such a child. So crazy. Uh, Devin Williams for the National League, who had a .33 ERA. Uh, he was coming out of the pen for that, but I get it. Hundred uh, percent. He he fanned a re he fanned a record fifty three percent of his hundred batters face. So crazy there. AL and NL coaches of the year, manager of the year, Kevin Cash from the uh, Rays. Rays and. You had uh, Don Mattingly from the Marlins. No, no mistake. Both there. of those guys with two of the lowest payrolls in baseball with the Rays and the Marlins. That was yeah. a no brainer. Kevin Cash, man, and what I'm, he was able to do. And I'm not going to get into the Silver Slugger and Gold Gloves, but let's just leave it this way at the Platinum Gloves. Alex Gordon for the AL. I agree with that. Great outfielder, yeah. probably top outfielder in the game. And NL, how could you not? Nolan Arenado gets the Platinum Glove, third base. He's been playing better than, than Manny ever did. Good for him. No rules. No boundaries. Two topics. 30 seconds each. It's time for the two-minute warning. All right, guys, time for the two-minute warning. I guess I'll ask the questions this week. All right. You can or no. We don't have our we don't have our staff here. No. Are we paying these guys? Thank are we God, paying them? No. Are they taking like we, PTO? Because we don't we don't make profit anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> 
We're a uh, nonprofit here at Birdland. Yes. <laughs> We're working on donations. We're Please every donate. which of the word nonprofit here at <laughs> yeah, uh, Birdland. Right. Yes. Uh, all right. Actually, no. We switch it up. You're you're asking the questions. I'm going to answer first. All right. So go ahead. Let's get the first question out there. What's the first question? Oh, what are you doing? I don't know. The Baseball Hall of Fame ballot was released, <laughs> and there are a lot of names with the asterisks of steroids next to it. Is this the first year someone gets selected? Well, if you can do things right, maybe. Uh, no, I, I do think this is the year that somebody gets selected to it. You have you know, a lot of the top guys off the ballot last year uh, that didn't quite make it. Clemens is one of them. I think yeah. he probably makes it in this year. Um, I think this is the first year you do see somebody make it. And for all you motherfuckers on the writing Baseball Writers Hall of Fame, you need to fucking petition. If you're going to put them fuckers in, you better put Pete Rose in next year. I'm right there with you. I think... It has to happen at some point. They got to open the door. It starts with one, and then all it takes. that's all it takes. Once you get one of them in there with the quote unquote asterisk next to it, it opens the door for everybody else. And you took the words right out of my mouth, including Pete Rose for gambling purposes. Uh, I think that maybe this is the this is the year. I think it could potentially happen. The NCAA announced that they, that they in 2021 March Madness, the basketball tournament, will be held in one geographic area. Is this the right move? So they're they're reporting that it's going to be in Indianapolis. Um, that's the, the top place for it to be held. I think it absolutely is the right move for them to hold the tournament in that. But you got to get to the fucking tournament to begin with. Yep. What the hell are you going to do to the rest of the season? Yeah. Figure it out. I don't care. I, I definitely think this is the right call. Putting them in this bubble in a one, you know, one city uh, tournament. But you're right. There's a lot of hurdles in the road that they're going to have to get over. We're getting ready to get into the thick of things with COVID, with with numbers every day spiking. continuing to rise and rise and rise. That's why we don't have our staff. Yeah, we're already seeing fans being pulled out of the NFL games again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not real optimistic for a basketball season. I know it's right around the corner. I hope we get March Madness this year. But I'm I not, really I'm do. Not they took it from us last year. I can't stand that they could potentially take it again this year. I, th- I think we're going down that path, man. I really do. All right, Scott, man. Good show for just the two of us. And it was a lot for us to fall back on just being the two of us. But- you know what I'm so proud of? What's that? That you didn't break out into song with just the two of us. This just year. the <laughs> two of us. Damn it. I almost went the whole show. <laughs> God damn. All right, Scott. Oh, guys, make sure you check us out on BirdlandBS.com. www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, check out all of our episodes, learn about each of us, contact us, and get yourself some Birdland BS gear. I think it was, uh, it, it might have been to Sean that asked where you can get the shirt. BirdlandBS.com. That's where you get it. Visit BigPlay.com, BigPlay Twitter page, and download the Big Play app if you also want to check us out on there. BirdlandSports.com as well. Follow us on all of our social media sites. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram. We're there on everything. At BirdlandBS is how you find us. If you want to see Fred... At Fred BLBS. You want to see Fred? Yeah. We got a can to see you. It's weird. <laughs> Shh, I installed a can. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Knowing you, you probably have cans in my car. You got them everywhere. <laughs> what do you think you did while, I dro- while we dropped off? Oh, for your Christ. Car? Anyway, make sure you check out Fred at Fred BLBS at Scott BLBS. You also can make sure you check out at Bartender Blake at James Bond. 2032 at Fred or at Terps or yeah, at Terps Biespert. I forget his. Yeah, that's right. all, folks. It's just words. <laughs> like, follow, subscribe with all of us and be a part of our, our Birdland BS nation and our Birdland BS family. You want your opinion or topic heard? Make sure you also email us. Email us BirdlandBS at gmail.com. Email us your questions. We will bring them up on the show for sure. If you've got a great two minute warning question, email us. Even if it's the day of the show, reach out to us. 
Audio version of the podcast, Spotify, I, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Spotify, podcasts, everywhere. Everywhere. Make sure you go check it out. Leave us a review while you're there. Thanks for tuning in, as always. We'll be back next Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. We'll see whether it's in person or virtually. We'll figure this out week to week. For Fred, myself, Bartender Blake, Church B. Drew, James. We'll see you sometime. See you guys. Adios.